I'm Taylor, and welcome to the TD Nutrition Podcast. Welcome back to another episode of the TD Nutrition Podcast. Today's episode is all about the keto diet or the ketogenic diet. There's a lot of high-protein and low-carb diets that have been trendy over the last few decades, and the ketogenic diet is just kind of the latest version of that, although probably a more recent version is the carnivore diet, Um, but again, they're essentially all the same as all the different high-protein diets that have been out there. And this, this trend started in the 1970s, so it's, it's nothing new. People want to think these are new diets. They're really not. And like I said, there's all these different high-protein, low-carb diets. They're all the same. They maybe have some slightly different rules that, you know, you can eat these foods and not these. So they all vary slightly, but essentially the same. Any diet that you eliminate processed foods like candy, cake, cookies, fried food, fast food, you will inevitably feel better for a period of time. Anytime you cut out junk foods, your, your body will feel better. But there's only so far that a high-protein and low-carb diet can take you when it comes to long-term health. And again, if you want to have more deeper insight on that, listen to my last episode that was about protein. I talk a lot about how low carb is harmful and high protein is harmful. The keto diet and other high protein diets like the paleo diet, the carnivore diet, the Atkins diet, it's, it, it, they're all misinformed. And because of that, they're pretty harmful and It's something that a lot of people are not really aware of. You hear all these great things and you're like, okay, let's try it. And you may have read or heard that high protein and low carb diets are beneficial, uh, but they often cause more problems for our health, especially if you have a chronic illness or chronic symptoms you're dealing with. And this is something that they do not forewarn people is that if you have a certain illness, you really need to tread lightly I mean, you shouldn't do these diets at all, but you definitely need to tread lightly if you're like set on trying it, Um, but, but they don't say that. And I did try the keto diet years ago before I went and got my master's and really learned about nutrition. I, you know, I re- was reading all of the general stuff that you see when you do a quick Google search and I thought, okay, this sounds cool, like let's try it. Um, And it did not end well. It was kind of the thing that sent my health into a downward spiral. um, And it ended up, that's what led me to figure out that I did have Lyme disease. um, And there's lots of reasons behind that. But as we get through different things about the keto diet, I'll kind of share more of my story with it. So let's start with some background on the keto diet. We live in a world that is so strongly anti-sugar of any kind and anti-carbohydrate. Like, that is the general consensus of information that you can easily find out there in abundance. Avoid all sugars, good and bad. Avoid all carbs. And in the early 1930s, the meatpacking industry and the government joined forces to promote protein. 
So around this time, instead of going to the farmer and the butcher shop for meat, animal products were now becoming industrialized. And so they were made much cheaper, therefore they were available to a lot more people, and they were promoted as a critical part of our diet. And so monetary interests were put ahead of people's health, which happens all the time even today. Going directly to the farmer for meat is always ideal, even nowadays if you are a person who wants to keep meat in your diet. Um, It is always best to go straight to the source if you're able to. Um, so that maybe that means going to your farmer's market and um, finding, you know, someone who's selling meat, talking to them about, you know, their, you know, their livestock and how it's raised and all of that and how they process the meat. Um, another great resource is called farmmatch.com. And you type in your zip code and it will um, connect you to farms in your area that you can buy directly from the farmer. And that's a great resource as well. So if you're someone who does eat meat and um, you want to try to find the best way to go about doing that, trying to get it directly from the farmer um, is what I would suggest. And so farmers market or farmmatch.com will be your best bet. So the idea that protein is more important than anything else was pushed from this partnership of industrializing meat and the government. And the belief was brought into conventional medicine. Um, It was taught in grammar schools. And, you know, you probably even remember learning like the food pyramid in school. And what was the most important thing was like meat, protein. Um, it's really got drilled into everyone's thinking and consciousness. And it, and it's still there today, even for me. Like, not necessarily so much with meat, but it'll still creep into my mind sometimes. Like, oh my gosh, am I getting enough protein? Do I need to make sure that I have like a actual protein source? And I have to like bring myself back down to earth and be like, okay, the only reason you're worried about that is because years and years of being told all of these things about protein. So... Again, it was really pushed on us, and so that's something to, um, to recognize. And before this effort to push protein, nobody, not even health practitioners, were even focused on protein. So it wasn't until there was this push that people even kind of thought that much about protein. Um, and protein wasn't even the top choice to sustain people until this industrial push came about. Practitioners and especially alternative healers really believed in fruits, leafy greens, vegetables, herbs, potatoes, nuts, and seeds. And they weren't focused on protein. And the reality is, is there's protein in everything that we eat. No matter what it is, there is going to be some protein in there. So whether it's spinach, kale, romaine lettuce, berries, bananas, apples, melons... There's protein in literally everything. But regardless of that fact, um, there was still this decision to promote um, a heavy protein diet and continue to influence that um, as time has gone on. And we're still in a place where that's, um, it's still a thing. Um, And like I said in my last episode, that is the biggest pushback I get whenever I talk about Um, try to, you know, when I'm talking about fruits and things like that and eating lots of fruits and it's like, well, where's your protein? Um, Again, it wasn't always this way and there's protein in everything. 
So, so that was the 1930s, this, you know, industrialization of meat and the processing of meat. So then in the 1970s, um, doctors were seeing a rise in heart disease, high blood pressure, liver disease, um, an increase in cholesterol, and a rise in diabetes. And so people were cutting out fast food, they were cutting out processed food, greasy food, and they still were experiencing all kinds of symptoms and different health conditions. In, in the 70s, doctors and the medical system, they had recognized that too much fat and too many animal products, like too much red meat, that it was contributing to disease. So let's talk a little bit about fats. So high fat intake leads to higher fat content in our blood, which leads to a lack of oxygen in the blood. The more fat you have in your blood, the less oxygen you have. And you will end up with more fat in your blood the more fat there is in your diet. So over time, when you have all this fat in your blood, you're going to have low oxygen levels. Therefore, you have not enough oxygen getting to the heart and the brain. And then this is going to contribute to problems like strokes and heart attacks. And that is definitely more of an issue the older you get. But you could still be suffering from low oxygen to the heart and brain even if you're in your 20s. Too much fat in the bloodstream also triggers the adrenal glands to shoot off adrenaline because then it's trying to clean up our blood in order to protect us. So then this realization that fat was harmful to our health in the 70s, it didn't actually lead to an appropriate response. Like it didn't, it didn't lead them to solve the problem like they should have. Instead, what they did was they came up with all of these products that filled grocery stores that were labeled as low fat and fat free, which these often contained a ton of unhealthy and processed ingredients. They usually contained trans fats, which were worse than saturated fats. And so people began eliminating fats that had actually had healthy properties like avocados, nuts, seeds, and olives. So people got afraid of fats, so they were then leaving out all the good ones and then now eating these foods labeled as fat-free or low-fat, and those are the ones that had the trans fats. And then in addition to that, people continued to eat a lot of animal protein. So they got really consumed with fats, but they were still eating the same amount of animal protein. And what people didn't realize and what people still don't realize today is that animal protein is animal fat. So they were still eating high fat diets because they were eating high meat diets. Even if you have a lean cut of meat, it is still gonna have a lot of fat content. And this is what I will tell my clients all the time. You need to count your meat as part of your fat intake. Yes, it's protein, but you still need to count it as part of your fat intake. So people ended up feeling even worse on these types of fats than, than they had felt before eating more nuts, seeds, avocados, things like that. And here they thought they were eating low-fat diets, um, but they actually weren't, and they were feeling even worse. So with this flawed approach, any progress that there could have been made for people's health just kind of it fell apart. Health professionals then realized that the low-fat diet trend, it wasn't working, and that the only thing that there was left to do was to go after carbohydrates. And this is because protein remained kind of untouchable due to all the money that was behind it, so they couldn't actually come out and say, oh, maybe it's the protein, nor did they, nor did they want to put the research into doing that. So it was like, oh, well, if we did this whole low-fat thing and people are still feeling sick, 
well, then it must be all the carbs people are eating. So then there became this attack on carbohydrates. So here we have the birth now of the keto diet. So since then, it's been one version after another of some sort of trendy, low-carb, high-protein diet. The same exact concept has been repackaged over and over again with different names and slight twists to market it as its own unique diet. So again, these are all the same. They just have these slight twists. So like I mentioned in the beginning, some of the other trendy diets that are essentially exactly like the keto diet with just different names is the Ad Kids diet, the Paleo diet, and the Carnivore diet. One thing that has changed a little in today's high-protein diets is they do have a bit more carbohydrates in them now than they did years ago. So modern versions, they some of them will allow leafy greens, some allow a little avocado or a few berries or maybe a few of other kinds of fruits, um, and then some nuts. And this is because the older variations of these that allowed none of these foods, people actually ended up getting really sick and their health was completely destroyed. And the reason you can't leave out leafy greens, uh, any like all fruits and nuts, is because our bodies and our brains, they need the nutrients, the antioxidants, the phytochemicals, which phytochemicals are disease-protecting chemicals, vitamins, minerals that are packaged in leafy greens, in fruits, in berries, in vegetables, in things like coconut water and raw honey. So sprinkling these foods into today's high-protein diets, it makes these diets a little less harmful on the body. They're still harmful, but a little less because your body is still getting little bits of the things that it needs. So it's able to kind of hang on longer. And the carnivore diet, if you've if you've been following him long enough, he's now on carnivore 2.0. So it's kind of this revamped version of the carnivore diet. And that's because initially it was just meat. And he ended up getting sick, super tired, brain fog. Why is that? You don't have any glucose in your diet. So your brain is essentially like starving. And that has a domino effect on a lot of things. And so now I believe you have raw honey on the carnivore diet. And you can have some fruits. Maybe all fruits are fair game. I don't really know exactly. But I do know that it's changed to include some carbs. And that's because our body truly does need carbs. So this kind of segues into talking about the flaws of the keto diet. The entire premise of the keto diet is incorrect to start with. Keto involves restricting carbohydrates while focusing on high protein, high fat. And the idea is that this way of eating causes your body to go into a a metabolic state called ketosis, where you efficiently burn fat as an energy source for your body and brain. And as I said in the last episode, it's not ideal to burn fat for energy. It's really a last resort survival mechanism. Our bodies, you know, we can't, we're really not designed to do that, but we will do it in order to survive. And we should not be in a situation like that hardly at all, if, if any, in our lifetime. And it's not even really possible for our body to go into ketosis if you're eating any amount or form of natural sugar whatsoever, or sugar, processed sugar or natural sugar. If you're eating even a half a gram of something, your body will not be in ketosis. So that means that if you're on keto and you're eating 
even just a tiny bit of fruits, a tiny bit of nuts, a tiny bit of seeds, avocado, even cheese. Cheese does have some natural sugar in it. Um, butter, tomato, or any type of green juice. All of that stuff has natural sugar. Yes, fruits has the most natural sugar of all those things, but all of those things have a little bit of natural sugar. And if you're having any of that on a keto diet, you won't go into ketosis because you still have some natural sugar. So your body will still not burn fat for fuel because you do have some natural sugar coming in. So unless like you're following keto and you're eating only bacon three times a day, which you'd actually probably feel completely terrible if you did that, you're not going to enter ketosis. And so people who are on keto who claim that, oh my gosh, they're in ketosis, they don't want to mess that up, you're probably not if you're consuming any of the foods that I just mentioned, which I do know people on keto do eat cheese because cheese is a fat. Yes, it has mostly fats, but it does have a little tiny bit of natural sugar. And that little bit of natural sugar will just prevent you from ever going into ketosis. Therefore, it is not possible to go into ketosis if you're going to truly survive. Because again, our bodies need glucose and you are going to get completely sick before you could even get to um, being in ketosis. So the idea that your body can switch to burning fat as a fuel is, is flawed. We don't run on fat. Um, we run on glucose, which is a form of sugar. And so our bodies want natural sugar. If, we, if it were true that our bodies could flip between burning glucose for energy and burning fat for energy, as the keto diet is saying that we can, it would be impossible for someone who was overweight or obese to starve. So like if it were true that we can flip-flop between using fat or glucose, then that means anyone who's ever overweight or obese, it would be utterly impossible for them to starve. So if, keto if the ketosis theory is correct, you could take an overweight person's food away and they'd continue to live for a long period of time using the fat on their body for energy. But that's not how it works. Like even just thinking about that, your common sense is like, oh, that wouldn't work. If you took someone who was overweight and starved them, they would still starve. They would not be able to use the fat on their body for energy. And that's because fat does not convert to usable material for our bodies. It doesn't. Any person of any weight can starve or be malnourished without enough glucose and nutrition that their body needs. Without glucose and the nutrients abundantly found in healthy carbohydrates, like fruits, starchy vegetables, leafy greens, your body would starve and your health would just start to decline. So when I tried to go keto, and I was like pretty all in, I was doing like the MCT oil in my coffee, um, the ghee sometimes, sometimes I did both. Um, I mean, it was, I was definitely all in and I was feeling nauseous all the time. I was super bloated. I did not feel like I had a lot of energy. I actually wasn't even hungry most of the time because I felt nauseous. Um, and my body was starved of of glucose. Um, I was getting some, I believe I was eating like one apple a day, um, which now I just look back and laugh at myself because now I'm eating like four bananas a day and cups and cups of berries and, and if, you know, multiple apples in a day. Um, but the, the rate at which it will hit your body when you no longer feel good, that's going to be different for each person. From what I've seen and even what I've read, 
men last longer before they start to not feel good on the keto diet. Um, they, t- they typically do think that it works um, because they're able to go a few months or whatever before they start to notice any symptoms. Women tend to get hit much, much harder um, and that's just because our hormones are, are much more complex. Um, our menstrual cycles will get impacted and our body, you, you know, our, our bodies really don't do well um, without enough glucose. It, it hits us much, much quicker. Um, and so I, I kind of mentioned how our brain runs on glucose and when we don't get enough, you know, it, it really causes issues. So let's talk briefly about keto in the brain. So following a keto diet, like I said, is damaging for the body, but also for the brain. Um, and this goes for both animal-based keto diet or plant-based because some people are plant-based and follow keto. Um, you may experience, like I said, temporary, temporary relief or temporary weight loss, um, but it's important to really understand that these improvements are just short-lived. They will not last a while. Um, and that's especially true if you suffer from any so- sort of neurological condition um, or diabetes or prediabetes or Lyme disease. Um, our brains need glucose to function. And after three hours of not eating anything, our brains are low on glucose and we need to snack on something. That or our liver will pull from our glycogen storage um, and, you know, convert that back to glucose and send that to our brain. But ideally, we would just have, you know, proper food coming in to support a healthy function of our brain. So... Let's talk about why keto can sometimes work for a little while, because um, this is what sucks people in. It does seem to start, to, it does work. Um, and so you see someone who's been on it for a period of time, and you're like, oh, they look so good. I want to do that. Diets that are high in fat and protein, they're a huge burden to the liver, and our liver is already working basically on overdrive to deal with all the toxins in our bodies from the environment from the foods that we eat, from medications we take, and other products that we're exposed to. Um, And if you want to learn more about the liver, I do have a two-part episode about liver health that would be super helpful to listen to. So think about for a minute how fat and sugar are usually paired together. So you have things like donuts, cakes, cookies, pasta with butter, Asian foods with sesame oil or peanut oil, fatty ribs with barbecue sauce, peanut butter and jelly sandwiches, banana and peanut butter, apple and peanut butter, apple and almond butter, um, putting peanut butter in smoothies, things like that. All of that is sugar and fat paired together. People really don't consume a lot of sugar alone. Even if it's processed sugar, no one is consuming processed sugar by itself. It's usually always paired with a fat. No, nobody's eating just all candy. Um, and even then, most candies will also contain things like milk and butter, which then brings the fat in. But if you think about like um, like Smarties or Skittles, like those are just pure sugar. And, and no one's really on a diet of just pure processed sugar. Um, and yet, like we still blame sugar for health problems, while really it's the fat that goes with it almost every time um, that's the problem and and it's overlooked and instead of removing the unhealthy refined sugars people were just so afraid and that fear went way too far and then people became afraid of healthy sugars in fruits and, and vegetable starchy vegetables and it got lumped together 
Like, yeah, no one should live off of an entire processed sugar diet. That would not be healthy. But just if you think about it, no one's actually doing that. So therefore, like, fat is going to be way more harmful than processed sugar. Um, that was kind of the reason for that example. But then because of the fear for processed sugar, like, fruits got lumped in that. And so people now try to take out all sugars out, keeping their fats and protein high. So they, they take out fruits completely, potatoes completely, squashes. And then people will see some relief by taking out um, the refined sugars um, because that is a troublemaker in the body. Like I said, like refined sugars, processed sugars, they cause a lot of inflammation. Um, And so by taking that out, yeah, you're going to feel better. And so, for example, when people remove processed sugars, they'll see that their A1C levels will drop um, or that diabetes and prediabetes improve but it doesn't fix the problem altogether. Too much fat in the blood is actually the issue. When there's too much fat in the blood, the body tries to get rid of the sugar, and then it it tries to move the sugar into cells because our cells do need sugar to survive, and we would like clean forms of sugar to survive. Um, But it can't do this very well if the fat is blocking the sugar from entering the cells. So what's going to happen is when the fat is blocking the sugar from the cells being able to absorb it, our body is going to produce more insulin, and then you're going to end up with insulin resistance. So the cells can't absorb it, and then the sugar gets trapped in the bloodstream. Insulin resistance now begins. A1C levels go up, and then the liver becomes even more sluggish and therefore not processing anything as it should. So the improvements that you see when you remove sugar, it's really just a cover-up to the real problem. The minute that you were to bring any sugar back, the problem will return. Because, again, sugar was never the problem in the first place. The real problem was the fats. So, and and this is the case. Fats are the problem for pretty much all chronic illness, but especially with diabetes and prediabetes, anyone with blood sugar issues um, or weight gain. And so that's all going to be from too much fat in your diet and if you all of a sudden decide you're going to cut fat out and you're eating fruit and it's been a few days maybe a week and you're like oh you know my blood sugar it's you know it's it's not any better it's not doing anything you have to give your body time to flush out all that fat buildup in your body it's not going to happen overnight it's main you know it's not even going to happen in a week's time you have to give your body time and i have worked with clients who had diabetes, who had prediabetes, and their A1C and everything is back to normal. And that's from lowering their fats. They were able to keep fruits and good healthy carbs in their diet. They just had to lower their fat content. So another thing about the keto diet is it promotes intermittent fasting. And there is some issues with intermittent fasting. So people tend to intermittent fast when they're on keto because they feel better. And they're feeling better because eating fat and protein all day, it eventually makes you feel terrible like you're falling apart, which I, that is exactly how I felt. And so you feel that way because you have all this fat clogging your bloodstream and reducing the blood's oxygen, your blood's oxygen levels. And therefore your organs aren't getting enough oxygen, your cells aren't getting enough oxygen. And so they're not able to function like they need to. So intermittent fasting offers your body a rest compared to the alternative alternative of just eating more fat and protein. So people will often fast and then they 
their energy is depleted and then they fill that with caffeine and coffee and chocolate to get through the day. And this is harmful as well, especially if you listen to the caffeine episode, you know where I'm going with this. Putting a bunch of caffeine into your body, it floods your system with adrenaline. And too much adrenaline for too long periods of time is harmful to the body. It's harmful to the liver and it lingers in our bloodstream and it can cause a lot of inflammation. And then our body has a hard time too to filter it out. And so down the road, people who are eating lots of fat and caffeine in the meantime, when they're not eating fat, they'll find themselves getting more sick and more sick and they'll have adrenal fatigue and a bunch of other health issues. If someone does happen to temporarily feel better eating animal-based keto with multiple meals a day, then aside from the removal of processed foods, they may have that the processed foods that they may have been eating, um, they would be feeling better because of the adrenaline that is naturally found in animal foods. And so you're consuming that adrenaline that's in the animal foods, and that can make someone feel temporarily temp- make them temporarily feel better. Not everyone. Um, may experience this, but if you find yourself feeling better um, from eating, you know, a lot of high fat and animal protein meals on keto, if you're doing that three meals a day, most likely it is the adrenaline in the meat that's masking the the, the issues that you may be having. And and again, it's not long term healing that is act- that's going on. It's just masking um, some deeper things that are happening. Um, And eventually you will start to feel worse and you'll probably experience an adrenal burnout. So to kind of wrap things up, I'll just remind you that keto is just another name for the same type of high protein diets that have been around and are around now. And it doesn't offer any long-term health benefits and it will lead to more health issues and you feeling worse down the road. Um, and a lot of everything that I talk about is how do we, how do I promote long-term health? That's, that's really what everyone should be searching for. You know, you don't want some sort of quick fix that's going to make you feel good for a period of time and then make you, you know, feel like you have to start all over again after a while. And, and keto is, is definitely that, um, and all the other high protein diets um, that are out there are are all like that as well. And if you again, if you want to learn more about the all the deep stuff about high protein diets, listen to my last episode. I get into a lot of detail about what happens to our body when we do eat high protein diets, um, high meat diets. And it doesn't mean you have to cut out meat entirely. You know, you just want to be realistic with your consumption of meat. It doesn't need to be a staple for three meals a day. If you want to have it for one meal, fine. Um, if that, if you feel like you really just don't want to give it up at all. If you're someone dealing with health issues, I would encourage you to give it up completely because it will help you feel so much better. And be cautious because there's a lot of stuff out there that makes it sound like these diets are so great. But if you were to search the flip side and search the harmful effects of the keto diet, the harmful effects of the carnivore carnivore diet, you will find a ton of people's stories who it did, you know, it did not work for and experienced health issues. And that's not to say that there's not going to be a few exceptions who've maybe been following the keto diet or a carnivore diet or something like that for a few years and seem to be doing fine, there are going to be those exceptions. But for the vast majority of people, 
you will feel sick pretty quickly. And for those that seem to be following it fine for a few years, they will probably end up with long-term health issues. Do remember that because it all can seem great on the surface, but there is stuff happening internally that we can't always see. And that's what I want you to understand is it's the stuff we can't see that is being harmed. So hopefully this settles some confusion if you've heard, you know, great stuff about high protein diets and things like that. Um, And if you are someone who wants guidance on adding more carbs to your diet and how to help lower protein or fat intake, I would love to work with you one-on-one. So you can send me an email at tdnutritioncoaching at gmail.com. And as always, thanks for listening.